This is Project Keto, a podcast that teaches the how-tos, practical tips, and tactics to eat keto long-term. No more deprivation or confusion when it comes to your amazing body. I'm your host, Madeline Hewitt, and this week we are talking about six ways to troubleshoot keto challenges. At this point, maybe you've been implementing new things week by week and you've been making a lot of changes and maybe you've been reading more about keto or listening to more podcasts about keto or looking online or looking at blogs or Instagram posts about keto and you might be seeing a lot of different information than what I've been talking about on this podcast. And it's true that there are a lot of different ways to do keto. There's not one way that works for everybody and there's not one way that will work for the rest of your life. But these six points that we'll be talking through today are common mistakes that people make, especially at the beginning, or that they try and force themselves to do long term until maybe they give up because they see that keto doesn't work for them. Oftentimes, these mistakes lead people to say things like, oh, keto doesn't work. I ended up gaining weight doing keto when I really wanted to lose weight, or I was tired all the time, or I was hungry all the time, and I was always thinking about food, or I got really bloated because I was eating so much dairy, and I just was having gas and bloating all the time or um, it was just a mystery to them why it didn't work. So hopefully one of these or all of these six points make a difference in your experience doing keto. And remember that a ketogenic diet is not one thing. So many people think that keto means the same thing for everybody. It's actually one of the most broad diets that are out there. Keto diet just means that you are eating in a way where your body is able to get into ketosis. And remember that ketosis just means that your body is burning fat for fuel. So if you start this episode feeling frustrated and thinking that, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing keto because it's so extreme and I just don't fit into that box. Well, remember that there is no box. One person might have a keto diet that looks completely 100% the opposite of yours. People's bodies end up burning fat in different ways. In general, there's a kind of guideline to doing it, but the truth is is that you have to discover what really works for you and what is a way for you to get into that um, tapping into the fat stores state where you're able to burn fat, make ketones, and ultimately have a higher performing brain. Point number one today is not eating enough vegetables. Many people think that they shouldn't eat vegetables or they should restrict their vegetables very um, intensely when they're doing keto because vegetables are mainly made up of carbohydrates. And it is true. If you eat broccoli, that's mostly carbs. However, it's not going to be the type of carbs that will spike your blood sugar. So if you're eating an abundance or a variety of non-starchy vegetables, you're probably not going to have a spike in your blood sugar. And if you do, it's probably something else. Like you're dealing with serious blood sugar issues that you need to address first, but almost everybody will keep a healthy blood sugar in the range of 70 to 90, no matter how many non-starchy vegetables you're having. Now remember, non-starchy vegetables would be ones like broccoli, cauliflower, lettuce, spinach, kale, zucchini, onion, mushrooms, um, tomatoes, just to name a few. Starchier vegetables would be ones like potatoes, peas, most of the squashes, 
corn, but corn is technically a grain, so that's a grain. Um, what else? Beets. Those types of foods are high in starch, which means that they are likely to spike your blood sugar higher. So if you aren't familiar with non-starchy versus starchy vegetables, Google a list of non-starchy vegetables and print that out and Google a list of starchy vegetables and print that out. And starchy vegetables are ones that you would either cut out for a period of time or dramatically decrease or only have on a special carb day when you're purposefully eating more carbs for a special reason. But when you look at your plate of food when you're eating keto, for most people, most of the plate should be filled with non-starchy vegetables. And we're not talking about grams. We're not counting macros. That's not a method that I recommend using. Instead, look at your physical plate. And when you look down at it, you should see, wow, almost the entire plate is covered in a variety of non-starchy vegetables. Those vegetables would definitely be cooked in some fat or some oil. And then you have a nice small portion of meat. And we'll be talking about meat in a couple of minutes here. So if you're trying to restrict yourself from eating vegetables, that's not going to work because then you end up eating way too much fat or way too much meat or I know a lot of people who end up eating just not enough food at all and those are the people who say that they're hungry all the time. Now there are some people who swear by doing carnivore keto, which I'm starting to learn more and more about, and I can see how if you do it right, it could work really well for some people's bodies. It can also be a disaster for other people's bodies, and it can be easily misinterpreted. So if you're doing really well with carnivore keto and you love the way you feel, I'm not telling you you have to eat more vegetables. I'm mostly speaking to the people who are just starting out and feel like you haven't quite mastered any of this yet and you're still not quite sure what you should be eating, well, don't forget to fill up on vegetables. Point number two today is I see so many people out there loading up on cheese doing keto. Now, it's not that if you eat cheese, you're not going to get into ketosis. That's not what I'm saying. It's just that almost everybody is sensitive to dairy. And if you're eating foods that you're sensitive to, you are going to be in more stress, physical and chemical stress in your body, and you will struggle a lot more to get into ketosis, especially long term. If it was just up to me, I would tell you just don't have dairy. Or if you're going to have dairy, limit it to butter and ghee. Those types of dairy, especially from grass-fed cows, typically work fine for most people. But eating cheese and milk and cream and those types of foods, for most people, it just isn't serving you and it's causing you to have more digestive stress. If you're thinking that I'm talking about being lactose intolerant, I'm not. Lactose intolerance is a completely different issue that isn't as common as dairy sensitivities. If you really want to know if you're sensitive to dairy, completely cut it out of your diet for a minimum of three weeks. It's better if you cut it out for about three months with no sneaking or cheating or accidentally eating it and then add it back in after three weeks or three months and see how you feel. And likely you'll react. You'll either get acne or skin problems like um, red skin or rosacea or eczema. You might get bloating or gas or diarrhea or constipation. You might also feel like you have extreme food cravings either for more cheese or dairy 
or for other foods, you might get headaches or migraines. You might get hormonal problems like PMS or hormonal um, mood issues or um, extra heavy periods or um, difficulty with menopause. You might get sleeping issues. The list goes on and on and on. But if you are just very, very serious about improving your health, then go ahead and eliminate the dairy and you'll probably feel better and get better results. Now, if you're very, very adamant about having dairy, then find some raw milk from grass-fed cows from a local farmer in your area and you'll need to go to the farmer to get it and then you can make your own cheese and your own dairy um, products you can make your own butter you can use the cream that would be the type of dairy that would work better for most people but any kind of pasteurized dairy doesn't work well for almost anyone point number three is about eating way too much food or way too little of an amount of food. It's easy to have um, way too much food on keto, especially if you're used to, or if you're getting yourself off of snacks and you're doing intermittent fasts, so you're eating meals that are pretty big, while you would expect your meal to be fairly large if you're only eating one or two times a day, but it shouldn't be so big that you feel stuffed or you feel like you can't really move after your meal or you have to unbutton your pants or if it just makes you feel like excessively full. Also, a lot of people think that you can eat unlimited amounts of fat doing keto. And sure, you might be able to get into ketosis eating unlimited amounts of fat and gorging on fat, but you definitely won't have any sort of weight loss if that's of interest to you, you can't really lose weight if you're excessively eating really anything. So if you're a person who's gorging on huge amounts of fat bombs with your meals or in between your meals or you're having, you know, two or three or four fatty coffees or bulletproof coffees in the morning on top of all of your meals or you're soaking your food in loads of oil, like your plate is completely dripping with oil when you're done. Um, that's probably going to be too much fat for you. But again, it's hard to tell until you start experimenting with your own body. So keeping a detailed food journal and a detailed journal of your blood sugar measurements and ketone measurements can be an excellent way for you to learn more about yourself. I'm not going to be able to tell you exactly how many grams of fat you should eat or how many tablespoons of oil you should have in a day because it's going to depend on your body and your lifestyle and your stress levels that day. Now, it's also easy to eat too little of an amount of food on keto, especially if you don't really know what you should be eating. I know a lot of people who just kind of don't eat much because they're not sure what to put in their mouth or what to buy. So you shouldn't be feeling like you're really hungry all day long or you're unsatisfied after your meals or you have to eat many snacks. If you have those things going on, it's likely that either your meal is too small or you're not eating enough fat or possibly you're not having enough protein. So again, you'll have to start tracking that for yourself to really discover what's working for you. Point number four is eating too much meat. So this goes back um, hand in hand with point number one about not eating enough vegetables. If you're a person who's not really eating vegetables, but you're doing keto, then what are you eating? You're probably filling your plate with meat or protein or all fat 
or um, I'm not sure what else would be on there. So I see a lot of people taking photos of their keto meal and their whole plate is full of scrambled eggs, like maybe three or four eggs and like 10 pieces of bacon and some sausage and a whole avocado. And all of those foods can be very healthy and wonderful foods, but if there's no vegetables on your plate and you're eating that much meat, you're not going to do very well. And it's likely that you'll end up actually spiking your blood sugar by eating way too much protein and feeling worse in the long run. Now, again, I'm not here to tell you that carnivore keto doesn't work. If you do a carnivore style keto right and you do it well for your body and you know what that is, that's not what I'm talking about. That's a different thing. But for, for people, it's I'm going to kind of stereotype here, so I'm sorry if this is offensive to anybody, but it's oftentimes younger men or teenage boys who get really into keto. It can be older men as well where they're just gorging on really, really fatty meats like sausage and bacon and huge amounts of eggs all the time. And then they don't really have any other variety. So that's not really going to work for you. Maybe it would work for like a meal or two or a day. But in general, people don't feel good doing that. And it ends up causing quite a bit of stress on your body. Point number five, ignoring insulin and blood sugar. This is my absolute favorite topic. I could do a whole show for the rest of my life just about insulin and blood sugar and also type 1 and type 2 diabetes. I love those topics. And even if you're not diabetic at all, you should still be paying attention to your insulin and your blood sugar measurements. Remember, insulin would be a hormone. You have two major hormones. One is insulin and one is cortisol. Blood sugar is not the same thing as insulin. Lots of people get them mixed up or they use them interchangeably and they're totally different. If you're not a master of that information, then go back to episode number two, which was all about insulin and blood sugar, and listen to that episode as many times as it takes until you could actually verbalize it and teach that information out loud to another person without feeling like you get confused or mixed up. You really have to understand the concepts of insulin and blood sugar to be able to be successful with really any areas of your health. And if we could even just stop talking about keto um, at all and only talk about fixing your insulin and blood sugar, you would probably get all of the benefits of keto or you would probably get a humongous improvement of your health in all areas. So this is a topic that applies to every single person. I highly recommend getting a fasting insulin level done. It's something that you'll need to get done um, through a lab. So you would go somewhere to get a blood draw. It's a fasting insulin level. And your insulin level should be somewhere between 2 and 5. If it's above 5, that means that you're probably eating too many carbs and too many sugar long term. And your cells are becoming less receptive to insulin or less sensitive to insulin. And you are heading in the direction of prediabetes or type 2 diabetes. So something to be very aware of. And if you can only ever do one measurement, do that one. Get it down between 2 and 5 and you're going to feel a lot better. And then for your blood sugar, if you can prick your finger and measure your blood sugar every day, multiple times a day even, and get your blood sugars to always stay between 70 and 90, that is an an indication that you're having the right amount of carbs for your body. 
But if your blood sugars spike above 90, then you know you're eating too many carbs. And then it's just as simple as that. You just start decreasing your carbs and maybe increasing your fat or increasing your protein for some people or swapping out the carbs for non-starchy vegetables. And then you'll easily be able to bring your blood sugars between 70 and 90. And I've seen lots of people do that in one day. This is not something that takes a lifetime. This is not something that's impossible. You can do this just by simply changing what you're eating that day. And you can even do this if you are diabetic. This show is not going to be all about all of the details of diabetes, but everything that I am mentioning does apply to type 1 and type 2 diabetics. And point number six is about addressing other issues. If you only ever apply what I'm talking about on this podcast or what you learn elsewhere about keto, that can only get you so far. It's a very, very small piece of the bigger picture for having optimal health or also having a really nice body composition if that's what you're doing this for. So some ideas of other issues would be things like hormone imbalances, heavy metal toxicity, parasites, food sensitivities, chemicals in your beauty products or in your home or in your work, um, electromagnetic frequencies, gut problems, so maybe you need to do gut healing, extra stress that's going on, Um, excessive exposure to screens like computers and phones and uh, excessive exposure to Wi-Fi. So those types of things are issues that almost everybody is struggling with and is exposed to and is dealing with. And if your health hasn't just skyrocketed from applying the information from this podcast, then go back to that list that I just said and start addressing each of those issues. And remember, if you are going to be addressing hormones, you have to go back to addressing your insulin. Insulin and cortisol are your two major hormones. The sex hormones are underneath those. And if you don't address your insulin or cortisol issues first, you can't really address your sex hormone issues successfully. So go back to point number five or go back to episode number two about insulin and blood sugar first if you want to address your hormones. Heavy metals are something that almost every single person, especially in the United States, are dealing with and struggling with. Parasites, same thing. You don't have to go to a third world country to get a parasite. Almost everybody has parasites. Now, if you're curious about what you can do about your parasites, feel free to send me a message either through the website at projectketopodcast.com. You can write a comment on the show notes for this page or send me a direct message on Instagram or on Facebook and I will gladly give you some pointers on different supplements and protocols you can do that are very gentle and things that almost everybody can handle very well to address parasite issues. Food sensitivities, pretty much everybody's got them. You would definitely want to address those. Chemicals would be things like perfumes, um, scents, any kinds of fake types of things that you have in your beauty products or in your cleaning products at home or building materials in your home. It can also include something like mold in your walls, EMFs, that's electromagnetic frequencies, Huge topic that's out of the scope of this podcast, but it is something to take very serious. Gut healing can go along with food sensitivities and then stress. Remember from the Keto Bite stress episode, you might want to go back to that and listen again. Stress can be physical stress like joint pain, 
chemical stress in your body like um, hormone imbalances or mood problems and it can be emotional stress like feeling depressed or having bad situations in your life. So all of those stresses will definitely kick you out of ketosis if they are constantly going on. So that's our six points for today. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Currently, we are on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Very soon, we'll be on more platforms. You can also continue to listen on the website at projectketopodcast.com. Rate and review the podcast if you listen in um, Apple Podcasts. And definitely share this podcast with your friends and your families. I'd love to give a shout out to all of my listeners that are in South Africa. There's a whole group of you, and it is so fun to know that you are on the other side of the world from me. I'm here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and we can connect this way. Follow along at Project Keto Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. But for now, that's all. Merry Christmas, everybody, and I'll catch you in a couple of days. Bye.